Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. This is our second episode of the day, and we are going to be previewing the RSM Classic on the PGA Tour. This is the last PGA Tour tournament of the calendar year, so this is kind of our last golf episode for a while, which kind of makes me sad for a little bit. But if you're interested in playing any other daily fantasy sports, college basketball is back, and college basketball DFS is growing because it is a very under-researched, underutilized sport, and so it's a lot easier to make money off of than NFL or NBA. And I do have a podcast episode on that that released earlier this morning. Again, if you're looking for other sports to play other than golf, I will have a college football preview tomorrow as well as a NFL preview on Thursday. So make sure you are listening to those, getting in some sports other than golf. If you want my full DFS lineup, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, putting some stats, facts, nuggets on there, as well as answering any lineup and start sit questions. All right, let's go ahead and start talking some golf. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. The RSM Classic will take place at Sea Island Resort with two courses being used the seaside course, and the plantation course. So every golfer on Thursday and Friday will play one round at the seaside course and one round at the plantation course. On Saturday and Sunday, both rounds will be at the seaside course. So if you are playing showdown or making any first-round leader bets, the plantation course is the easy course. It's very easy. Guys generally go pretty low there. There's not a whole lot of danger lurking on the plantation course. It's really just a parkland course that just so happens to be on an island in Georgia. And so first round leaders generally come from the plantation course. Guys who miss the cut generally miss it because they don't get birdies at the plantation course. All right. Now, We're going to focus on the seaside course because it is where 75% of the rounds this week are going to be played. The seaside course is a par 70. It's about 7,000 yards, and it has above average size greens. So this tournament generally goes pretty low numbers, like minus 22, I believe, was the winning score last year, because the wind is the only defense. Pretty much, this course, it's short, its fairways are wide enough, greens are big enough, These guys can tear it up. If there's no wind, they're going to be able to hit fairways, hit greens, and sink birdies. Now, this is a course where I think accuracy is at a premium. On the seaside course, water is in play on 14 of the 18 holes. That's a lot. So you do not want to miss your tee shots and end up in the water. More importantly, if you miss your tee shots, you don't want to have a big miss because the big miss is what will put it in the water. Little misses and playing out of the rough in this course is not going to be too difficult. Now, one thing you will see a whole lot of guys do this week is club down off the tee. You're going to have guys hitting three woods and three irons off the tee because, quite frankly, the course is so short. Why risk putting a driver in the water when you can still end up in a good position with a three-wood or a three-iron? So what ends up happening at this course is among guys that are accurate, if you're in the fairway, it's going to turn into a wedge and putt contest. How close can you put your wedge to the hole, and can you sink the putt that you give yourself? The courses that I would compare to this one, I've got three of them, and they all kind of fit in their own unique way. The first one is Harbor Town in Hilton Head Island, which is home of the RBC Heritage, I believe. And Harbor Town accuracy is a premium as well, but it's slightly different because it's so tree-lined and so narrow that you have to be accurate or else you're just going to have shots obstructed by trees. But it is you know, kind of coastal. It is still premium on accuracy, but slightly different reason than for seaside 
And then Congaree, which was where the CJ Cup was just played, I think is a fairly apt comparison. Um, I think Congaree is a little wider. I think Congaree is a little more difficult. But I think the concept is the same, where you don't want to end up in bad places by being wild off the tee. And then Pebble Beach, I think, is a good comp also. So Pebble Beach is a course that, you know, honestly, the way the pros play now, they tear it up unless it gets windy. Pebble Beach also has very small greens, you know, not quite like here at Sea Island. But I definitely think that Pebble Beach is a good comparison because it's short and because if the wind cranks up, that is the defense of the course. All right, let's start identifying some golfers that we want in our lineups and out of our lineups now. Let's start by talking off or by talking here about the top five. At the very top of the board this week is Tony Finau, and it should come as no surprise. He is, quite frankly, the best golfer in the field, and it's not even close. He has three wins in his last eight starts, which is just an insane run for a guy who had one win for like five years on the PGA Tour. And he won at Memorial Park going away. Like, it wasn't even close down the stretch on Saturday and Sunday. And what's even more impressive is Tony Finau's round on Friday at Memorial Park, he shot a 62 without making a putt longer than 13 feet. At first, I thought that that was a sad putting step. But then I thought about it and realized, wait a minute, if he shot a 62, that's eight shots under par. So he made, I believe it was seven putts that were closer than 13 feet and we're all for birdie or eagle, that's impressive, y'all. He is putting the ball really, really close to the pin, and if he's able to do that again here at Sea Island, there's no reason that he can't go back-to-back, and we know that he can go back-to-back because he did it earlier in the summer. Now, on DraftKings, I do think he's going to be very highly owned, but, I mean, is that such a bad thing? He's by far the best player in the field. Why not go after a guy who is by far the best player in the field, even if he is going to be highly owned? Second on the board is Seamus Power. So Seamus Power had a really bad stretch of golf at the start of the fall and the end of the summer. And sure enough, it led into a win at Bermuda and a T3 at Mayakoba. So he's starting to kind of crank it up here a bit again. And he had a T4 here last year. To me, he fits the profile for this course for accuracy. I think Port Royal Bermuda is a solid comparison to this course, not so much as the other three I named, but a decent comparison, and he won at Port Royal. So I definitely think Seamus Power is worth a look. If you're looking to pivot off of Finau and get somebody who is low-owned, Seamus Power is going to be that guy. Brian Harmon. Interesting narrative around Brian Harmon is that he is from Georgia, and he previously has a T4 and a T14 at this event. He is coming off of a runner-up finish at Mayakoba, and look, he greatly fits the course profile. Like, we talk about people who are not long off the tee, very accurate, very good with the wedge, and very good with the putter. That's Brian Harmon. And so I think, you know, the local knowledge being from Georgia, you know, fitting the course profile, I think Brian Harmon is definitely a very, very solid option this week. Tom Hoagie very much let us down. He was one of our core plays at Mayakoba, and he missed the cut. However, he does have a T4 here last year, and he was playing a really good stretch of golf before that miscut. And the way Tom Hoagie does it, he's a perfect fit for this course. He won at Pebble Beach because at Pebble, he could basically hit driver and then hit wedge, and he's an elite level wedge player. Like I'm talking like just one notch below like Justin Thomas and those guys in that one aspect of his game. So if this is a course where people are going to be hitting a lot of wedges, why not go back to Tom Hoagie? I think that the missed cut will keep some ownership off of him. I think that he's a very solid option this week. I will probably be playing him in lineups this week. 
Now, last up for the top five is Taylor Montgomery. He had seven straight top 15s until last week's T57, and he had been incredibly hot with the putter. So what it boils down to is, is he actually a really, really good putter, or was that just a hot streak? Because if he's actually a really good putter, then this is a perfect time to play him, right? Because this is going to be a wedge and putt contest. If he was just in the middle of a hot streak and it's going to go back cold again, then we don't want Taylor Montgomery. So I think he presents a lot of upside, but also a lot of risk because he is so reliant on that putter to play well. Now, outside the top five, there are two guys that I want to mention. I think that these are probably the perfect two guys to make your second golfer, in my opinion, when you build these lineups. First is Jason Day. We were on him last week, and he did not disappoint with a T16. He has a T12 here two years ago. And look, I think that Jason Day is playing some of the best golf he has in years. I'm absolutely willing to go back to Jason Day as long as he continues on that hot streak. Now, I do know, because it's Jason Day, he's going to end up really burning me when I play him, and he ends up withdrawing with a back injury through 12 holes because that's what he does. But until he does that, I'm willing to keep going back to him because of how he's been finishing and how I like how his game seems to be back in the place it was at his peak in 2015 and 2016. Keith Mitchell, right below Jason Day, is a Georgia guy from Georgia, played college golf at Georgia, had a T12 here last year. I think that the local knowledge helps him out a bit. He's also a guy who is very long and very accurate, which you know I mentioned how the Rory comps are kind of incredible. He's like a great value Rory McIlroy. You know, if he's going to be long and accurate, he's going to give himself like just these little, you know, flyer wedges into greens where he's not going to have to hit full shots into greens at Sea Island. So if he's putting himself in a good position with his distance and accuracy, there's no reason Keith Mitchell cannot contend here. All right, let's now talk about some value plays that we can go to help fit these guys into it. So for the values this week, I've got 16 total guys that I'm going to mention. I found it hard to narrow down this week, some of which are going to get more description than others, but 16 total names that you are going to hear in this segment. The first is Joel Damon. We've talked about Joel Damon on the podcast here before. He is great at coastal courses. He has five straight top 37 finishes, two straight top 10 finishes, and he has been gaining strokes tee to green in his last four tournaments. He's just been a little unlucky with the putter. And so if he turns that unlucky with the putter into lucky with the putter, then those top 10s and top 37s are going to turn into top fives and wins. So Joel Damon, to me, great fit for the course, great profile with being good tee to green, definitely a good play in lineups this week. Mackenzie Hughes won at the Sanderson Farms back in September. And since then, he's went T23 and T16, which is not bad, like at all. We'll take that. He is the PGA Tour's resident short game king. He's really good chipping and putting. And he won this tournament in 2017. And he was a runner-up last year. So what am I missing here? I think he is grossly mispriced on DraftKings. I think that he should definitely be in the $9,000 range, if not $10,000 range, given his recent form, given his course fit, and given his performances at this tournament. Kevin Kisner, another Georgia guy has finishes of 8th and 4th, as well as a win back in 2015 at this course. Now, there is one thing that I did find really interesting when doing research for this. There is a Sea Island Performance Center at this course that is kind of where some pros go to just kind of own their game a little bit, and it is used by notably four guys in this field, Kevin Kisner, Chris Kirk, Nick Watney, and Seamus Power. 
So those four guys might have a little bit of a home turf advantage because they are at this course a lot. I don't know. I kind of buy into that a little bit. I definitely think that's worth a look, worth a mention here on the podcast. Davis Riley is a guy who is just kind of lurking a little bit. He had a really good rookie season. He kind of cooled off a bit there at the end, but he's kind of coming back around. He's got five straight made cuts, two straight top 27 finishes. If he gets another top 27, that will pay off his price tag this week. Next up, I really, really like the $7,500 to $7,900 range on DraftKings. There's a lot of guys in this range that I think are really solid in terms of of a myriad of reasons. And I think if you're filling up your lineup with one or two of the top guys, this is the the region or the range, I guess, of prices that I would hit up heavy to fill out the rest of my lineup. First is Andrew Putnam. We've talked about him here before. Super duper profile for the course. Really accurate, really good at putting. What more do you want? He's also 7 for 7 on made cuts in the new season, and all seven of those finishes are in the top 50. No reason to turn away from Andrew Putnam this week. Alex Smalley has great recent form with a 4th and an 11th. Really accurate off the tee. Hasn't won on the PGA Tour yet, but I think this could be a good shot for him given how accurate he is and given that he can get hot with the putter. J.J. Spawn and Aaron Rye both have solid runs in terms of recent form. Aaron Rye played really well here last year. So I see no reason to not go back to either of those two guys. And then Harris English and Will Gordon have both been consistently in the top 40 whenever they tee it up pretty much in the last two months. And so I think both those guys are really talented. I see no reason to not go back to them. There are two guys at $7,400 that I do like. The first one is Davis Thompson. He is from Auburn, Alabama, and he played his college golf at Georgia. So he is used to this type of golf, this kind of, you know, low country, Alabama, Georgia type, you know, seaside golf. Like, I just think he's a really good fit for it. He's got three top 15 finishes in his last seven starts. And like Keith Mitchell, Keith Mitchell, who I named earlier, he's really long and really accurate. That's a good combination because you're going to give yourself really short shots into greens here at Sea Island. Taylor Moore is also $7,400. He had a miscut at Houston, but he had been really really pretty solid before that, and he also had an eighth here last year. I think that both those guys at $7,400, really good price tags for the upside that they will bring. Lower down the board is Ben Taylor, who is coming off of a third-place finish at Houston. And honestly, some might say that that's a flash in the pan. I don't. If you look at him, he puts really well on Bermuda Greens. Sea Island features Bermuda Greens. So like that third-place finish at Houston, I think that Ben Taylor has a lot of upside. I see no reason that he can't do it again. Further down the board, Austin Cook is a guy I like a lot, and he's really cheap on DraftKings. He won this event before. It's not often you get a winner of an event at less than $7,000 on DraftKings. And in his last three starts, he's finished 27th, 27th, and 44th. He is not long off the tee, but he is accurate, and he can get hot with the putter. And so guess what? That makes him a good fit for this course, and that's evidenced by the fact that he's won the event before. When you consider the recent form and the course history, Austin Cook is a really, really good play at under $7,000 on DraftKings. Now, there are two bargains who I believe fit the course profile very well, and I believe they're also very reasonably priced on DraftKings, and that is Ryan Armour and Aaron Baddeley, both short off the tee, both accurate, both can be good putters. So when you're looking you know, to fill out your lineups, if you need somebody who's super cheap, Ryan Armour, Aaron Baddeley are my two guys to do that with this week. All right, 
that covers it for uh, the DFS part of it. Let's make an outright winner pick and a one and done pick, and then that'll do our that'll kind of close our golf coverage for the year. When it comes to making an outright winner pick, I see nothing wrong with going back to Tony Finau. However, I think I'm more interested to play Finau on FanDuel or DraftKings than I am outright winner. Because on FanDuel or DraftKings, he's only like, what, $500 more than the rest of the competition? Whereas you look at making an outright winner bet and his odds are like much, much lower than anybody else around him. And he has to win to fill off that odds. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of value in betting Tony Finau, but I definitely think that in honesty, he's probably the guy that's most likely to win this golf tournament. Like, I just don't see any way around it. Now, if I were to make an outright winner bet, I think that the guy I would bet on would be Mackenzie Hughes. Like I said, he's won this tournament before. He won at Sanderson Farms pretty recently. He has some really good finishes. I just think that the course fits him really well. The recent form is good. Good course history. And I think that there's value to be had in betting him, not like a Tony Finau. So I think that Mackenzie Hughes is my pick for an outright winner this week. When it comes to one and done. So when we start the calendar year 2023, I'm going to reset my one and done with the picks that I've made so far because I'm actually playing in a one and done that starts in January. So I'm actually going to be doing like my live real one and done that I'm in starting in January. So this week, looking at guys that I haven't picked yet for the fall swing, my one and done pick would be Brian Harmon. Look, I just don't see that many weeks where we're going to look at the board and see Brian Harmon as the third option for winning the golf tournament on odds boards or on DraftKings. So I think this is a good spot to play him. I think the course fits him really well, and I think the recent form. You know, he had a 15th at the Shriners, 23rd at the CJ Cup, runner-up at Mayakoba. Recent form is great. Course fit is great. And like I said, I can't see another opportunity where I'm going to be like, hey, look, Brian Harmon, top of the board. So... I'm going with Brian Harmon as my one-and-done selection for this week. All right, y'all. That does it here for the podcast. Make sure if you are a fantasy golf listener and you were looking to get into other sports, make sure you give a, sh- give a shot, please, to our college football, college basketball, and NFL coverage. College basketball dropped earlier today. College football will drop tomorrow morning. NFL will drop Thursday morning. I'm trying to get all sports covered here on Mike's Money Picks. Make sure if you want your, if you, uh, let me rephrase that. If you want my full DFS lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And then if you want any more stats, facts, nuggets, start sit advice, lineup advice, head on over, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. All right. So my golf listeners, like I said, please give another sport a shot. But if not, this will be my last time talking to you until 2023. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, I was able to give you guys some names that you can use to play in DFS, bet outright, or play in one and done. Hopefully, this helped. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you all next time.